Good afternoon. Welcome to Young News Podcast here with your host, John Phillips, doing a solo edition on Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. This is my birthday, turning 33. Um, and I thought I'd just do a quick podcast. I'd like to do it just to have on record kind of where we stand in America um, at this point in time. And I think one of the things that Sean and I are going to do eventually this week is we're going to have a podcast. And on that podcast, we're going to talk about if you were to try to have a stronger grip on society, what are some ways in which you would go about your business? And and, and the two things I'm going to bring up with him are, there, there are two issues here. Um, when you're looking to take control or expand control, I think you try to get a population to be addicted to pleasure or allergic to uncomfort. Those are the two points I want to start off by making that Ultimately, if you can get a population that's allergic to uncomfort, now I'm not saying allergic to pain because at the end of the day, everyone's worried about pain. No one likes pain. There's only a certain amount of pain that we're able to take. So everyone in some ways is allergic to pain, but allergic to uncomfort, this is something that I think has taken over society and addicted to pleasure is taken over society. And I think it all starts with obviously being addicted to pleasure. I think once you get a person in a position in which they're just lazy, sitting on their phone, watching TV, not being mobile, making excuses, not being active, not being engaging with the world, right? Because a lot of times when you engage with the world, you're opening yourself up to uncomfort. So again, the way things have gone about are very brilliant, are, it has been very brilliant uh, by those who are looking to obviously tighten their fist on what they control or at least where they operate. Um, we are living in a society where these two things are prevalent. And I think it's fair to say this. I don't think it's radical. I don't think it's extreme. I think people on both sides of political alleys can agree that this aisle, excuse me, can agree with this comment that we are a society right now that is addicted to pleasure and allergic to uncomfort. This is how we're raising kids today, right? We're raising kids to be addicted to pleasure and allergic to uncomfort. And when you look at addicted to pleasure, I think one of the things that must have gone on in the conference room, when you're looking to say, okay, how can we have a better grip on what we control? And one of the things would be, well, we need communication. So we need to have a device maybe, a device in which someone, which is on someone all the time. And this is obviously something called the phone, the cell phone. So now you have the device that's on the person all the time. Okay, but that's not good enough, right? Ultimately, you gotta get them addicted to that device. You gotta get them using that device. Okay, so first, get an advice, invent an, a device in which can be pretty much on someone 24 seven, check mark. Then we want that person using it 24 seven, check mark. We just not only want them using it 24 seven, but we want them to specifically be using something a, via social media, for example, in which we can get ahead of the game and already start to predict what they like and what they dislike. We can start gathering data on their personality, on their pictures, on their video, on the audio. Now, before you say to me, oh my gosh, John, here you go, down the rabbit hole, there's this one person behind a computer that wants to control everyone's thoughts. No, no, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, what I am saying is that the collection of data is real and that there are some major benefits for some people in society. That's not debated. Everyone for the most part agrees that there's a massive amount of data that's being collected. The question is whether this data is being collected to do good things or bad things. And the answer is both, it's a mixed bag. But I think right now, once you started seeing something called censorship pop up, 
the thought that, look, here's the deal. There's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of information and you're going to have some good things and some bad things, some good apples, some bad apples. That was kind of the, the belief, right? That the internet opens up life to a lot of people. And then on top of this internet thing, you have this phone thing in which you can have on you 24 seven in which gives you access to the internet, which gives you access to everything. Okay. Now, for a long time, people said, look, this is a tool and tools can be used to do good things, can be used to do bad things. But then censorship came about and people started being critical of certain things last year. People were critical of the way people were handling COVID-19. They were censored. People were critical of vaccines. They were censored. People were critical, okay, of certain political ideologies and they were censored. So once you have this censorship that's creeping into our society, people have to wake up and realize that maybe, just maybe, the companies that now have the majority of say in what goes on in the tech industry, maybe now it's gone beyond opening up people to have freedom access to all different types of things to we're going to open up the internet but only to things that we want you to see. So we say that you have freedom, but freedom only to the point in which we allow you to have freedom. Now, I want to make this very clear. I think Twitter has the right to shut down anyone on their platform. Why? Because in my opinion, it's still a private company. In my opinion, I am not forced as an American citizen to have a Twitter account. And if I became so dependent on my social media to put myself out there for people to get to know me, I would make the argument that that's not the way to do it. Still, to this day, the way you do that is through the human touch, through the human interaction, in which I would then argue COVID-19 has totally disrupted and has totally made it incredibly difficult for people to have one-on-one -on -one relationships. And now the question is, well, is this quote-unquote part of the plan? I don't know the answer to that. I think people should actually hold themselves accountable for not being disciplined enough to be able to go out there, engage with the world, have relationships in person, and understand the importance of the human touch. I think one of the reasons why people were so easy to say, yeah, no problem, I'll stay at home. Yeah, no problem, I'll wear a mask and be distanced from each other is because for the past five, 10 years, people have actually convinced themselves that their life on social media is more real than their life outside in the real world. I think the social media part of society has taken over people's idea and perception of themselves. That all of a sudden, when some of the major breakdowns begin to take place, for example, you can't even have a six people, 12 person, sorry, 12 person Bible study sharing faith and uh, I, religious ideas with one another and really getting to know people where they're coming from and how they see the world. You can't do that. And a lot of it is, well, it's okay, we have Zoom. That's ah, okay, we have Skype. We've gotten addicted to all these things that kind of live on the web and we've forgotten what it means to be human. And so when we look at this question, Sean and I, about how would you operate, how would you uh, gain more control of society, you know, the first thing is, can you get them addicted to pleasure? You got them allergic to uncomfort, check mark. You create a technological device in which allows you to get them addicted to pleasure and allergic to any type of uncomfort. Uncomfort might be, by the way, a person's speech that might not make you feel so good. And so now you censor that speech because that person's causing too much uncomfort. Okay? 
And so now all of a sudden, boom, there you go. There's your basic rule. There's your basic playbook for how to operate something, okay, in which you now have a monopoly of on 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 you have a monopoly on access for people to have to truth right on the internet through social media now the deeper question people have is if they take away the internet there's no excuse for you not to still be human there's no excuse for you not to have your small groups your book clubs all of these things that were very localized and beautiful things in american society that we've kind of taken for granted why don't we get back to that day? In fact, I wouldn't mind if Twitter shuts everyone off that they don't like and 50% of their users are gone because it would force people to wake up, go outside, meet people, find people, love people, and not love their screen that they're looking at 24-7 seeing how many likes they got on a picture. This is where we need to move, folks. We need to move off the screens and into society, real society, on your streets, on your churches, um, this is where I think society needs to go. It's not to get resentful and say, oh, those big tech companies have so much power. I have no power at all. I am powerless. Please, someone out there like Trump, save me. That's got to stop. The idea that a person who represents the states can come and deliver you from your sins and from your bad life and make it a good life doesn't exist. Get that through your head. It's never going to exist. And anyone who tries to throw that garbage out at you, don't write that person off. Don't make fun of them. Don't belittle them. But see them clearly and call them out on the things that you see that aren't right. That's what you need to do. So again, to wrap up this podcast, that's just something I'd like to touch bases upon. We're also going to go into what whether or not America is ready for a third party. And I think the obvious answer is yes. But then the not so easy question to answer is who is going to represent that third party? And my answer is it doesn't matter. Just get someone out there that gives someone an opportunity to hear what they have to say and compare it to the other two parties that we have right now in American politics. It's very clear to me over the past 20 years, following current events, I would argue that we don't have two parties. And this is a very cliche line. I did not come up with this, okay? This is something I've heard many times from people such as, uh, from, from the likes of a Ron Paul, to a Jesse Ventura, to a Bill Malt, right? Like there's there's plenty of people out there who have said the words, we don't have two parties. We have one party, party that is operatives in both parties. And at the end of the day, they get what they want. Okay, but part of what you have to do in America is you can't just say that you have a monopoly. You can't just say that you have a one style, one party that rules all, right? Because otherwise, otherwise in America, you'd be a communist and a communist would never get elected, right? No, what you do is you create a false opponent or you create the illusion that we have these two parties that really give America choice. But when in fact, whether it's Bush and the, and the increase of government spending in the military, or it's Obama and the increase of, of spending and control and power uh, domestically, it's all the same thing. 
It's all the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's the same thing. It's the same concept of there is a problem and the only person that can solve this problem is a large state-run organization. And as a matter of fact, today, let's go a step further and say a global state organization, no longer a national state organization. And I think people have to really come together and say, look, here's the deal. You have two parties at the end of the day really working like one party. Can there be a third party, another voice that says, look, here's what we stand for localization, decentralization, giving power back to local communities, giving people the opportunity to exercise their right to free speech. And it's crazy to think that that has to be given, right? Because that already should have been a given. But the bottom line is, is there needs to be a situation in which the big global state is kept in check. But at the same time, there also needs to be a respect from those who want to have their politics local they have to realize that there are some great benefits of globalization. There is something wonderful that in about 20 minutes when I hit a racket, when I use a racket to teach a lesson that I didn't pay 500 bucks, and part of the reason I didn't pay 500 bucks is because we don't have, let's say, a ridiculous tariff on the good that I purchased. And we also did not force only one country to produce and manufacture this uh, this racket, right? That through the quote unquote, and I say this hmm, begrudgingly, quote unquote free market, right? Or I should say global trade. That's probably the more uh, the, the way to do it. Through global trade, the bottom line is, is we're able, okay, we are able to have that racket for a decent price. And instead of paying $540, I'm paying $140 for that racket. So there are some benefits, but I think we can get out of control. And right now what I see is the global state is out of control. And what I'm saying to the global state and the people that run the global state is, look, I'm not looking for a revolution. I'm going to say this again and again and again. I'm not looking for a revolution. I'm not looking to have people go to the streets and burn you and, and put you on trial. Because I think then you get desperate and then all of a sudden we no one wins. Okay, But I would like to see some reformations. I would like to see okay, the promotion of local culture. I would like to see the preservation of national souls. Souls, okay? I'd like to see the protection of free speech. And stop the censorship, please. That is what I ask for. So again, this is my podcast, January 27th, 2021. Um, it's great to be here, 33. Life's gone by fast, very blessed. And I will be back shortly with a podcast focusing on relatively the same topics of how does a totalitarian state go about their business expanding control over a society and i think the other thing that we're going to get into is are we ready for a third party so i hope to see you soon or i should say i hope to speak with you soon and um, i'll be back next time